Hi, I'm Ken. And presumably you are D. And I'm D. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to our special Patreon bonus episode presentation of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood. So far, very little blood. You say that every time and every time there's more blood. It's the blood date. It's the blup date. And no, where was the blood? Where was the blood last time? Varney's been shot like four times. That doesn't, it at no point specifies that blood came out of him. Well, perhaps there will be more blood in chapter 17, the explanation, the arrival of the Admiral at the house, a scene of confusion and some of its results. The Admiral! Yes. So sudden and so utterly unexpected a cry of alarm from Flora at such a time might well have the effect of astounding the nerves of anyone, and no wonder that Charles was for a few seconds absolutely petrified and almost unable to think. (laughs) Yeah, that's a normal reaction. Mechanically, then, he turned his eyes towards the door of the summer house, and there he saw a tall, thin man, rather elegantly dressed, whose countenance certainly, in its wonderful resemblance to the portrait on the panel, might well appall anyone. This is being rude to a guy. This isn't mean. This is bullying. The stranger stood in the irresolute attitude on the threshold of the summer house of one who did not wish to intrude, but who found it as awkward, if not more so now, to retreat than to advance. (laughs) Been there, buddy. Yeah, I feel like we've all been in Varney's shoes. He's caught them moving books slightly to the left. (laughs) Well, actually, I mean, previous chapter, Charles was screaming. So, like, I think he, like, he was just like, oh, my God, who's shouting? And then he, like, showed up and he's like, oh, God. (laughs) Before Charles Holland could summon any words to his aid or think of freeing himself from the clinging grasp of Flora, who was wound around him, the stranger made a very low and courtly bow, after which he said, in winning accents... Yeah, blue ribbon at the county fair, that accent. (laughs) Which state fair is it where you get a prize for doing the best pig call? I don't, uh, that's definitely not one in our region of the country. (laughs) I very much fear that I am an intruder here. Allow me to offer my warmest apologies and to assure you, sir, and you, madam, that I had no idea anyone was in the arbor. You perceive the rain is falling smartly and I made towards here, seeing it was likely to shelter me from the shower. Okay, so we know from the gentleman's art of dressing with economy that everyone should be carrying at least two umbrellas on them at all times if they live in England, right? Yeah, like two umbrellas, like akimbo. And I'm assuming England has had that weather for as many centuries as Varney has been alive. I will say that, well, first of all, you're assuming that Sir Francis Varney is a vampire. That's offensive. (laughs) And second of all, like, yeah, I would say one of the things that I know about England is that it is raining a lot. So weird thing to skip out on. Although, again, if I may cruelly assume this man is a vampire, umbrellas might be too recent for him to know what they are. (laughs) Oh, you think it's like a, a, a newfangled gadget? I think it might be a newfangled gadget for him. Wow. That might be why he has to run to buildings instead of just carrying three or more umbrellas on his person at all times. These words were spoken in such a plausible and courtly tone of voice that they might well have become any drawing room in the kingdom. Wait, alright. Plausible tone of voice? Yeah. You want to explain that one to me? Sure sounded like he had a voice. (laughs) I think that he has struck precisely the right casual tone to convince them that running in from the rain is the reason he has interrupted their shouting. I guess. That that was a weird way to put it. I don't think there's much in this book that is put normally. I was going to say, then again, that could be the subtitle of the book. (laughs) Barney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood or... That was a weird way to put it. (laughs) That was a weird way to put it. All of it. This whole book. Thank you for reading. 
Flora kept her eyes fixed upon him during the utterance of these words, and as she convulsively clutched the arm of Charles, she kept on whispering, The vampire! The vampire! No, now she's just being rude. This after all her brother has done to Varney in his own house. I much fear, added the stranger in the same bland tones, that I have been the cause of some alarm to the young lady. Release me, whispered Charles to Flora. Release me. I will follow him at once. They're talking about assaulting him. He just walked in. I also like that they're whispering to each other as though he A, can't hear them, and B, can't plainly see that they're talking to each other while neither of them said so much as hello to him. <laughs> it's really rude. No, no, do not leave me, do not leave me. The vampire, the dreadful vampire. But Flora. Hush, hush, hush. It speaks again. Oh my god, rude. Perhaps I ought to account for my appearance in the garden at all, added the insinuating stranger. The fact is, I came on a visit. Flora shuddered. To Mr. Henry Bannerworth, continued the stranger, and finding the garden gate open, I came in without troubling the servants, which I much regret, as I can perceive I have alarmed and annoyed the lady. Madam, pray accept of my apologies. <laughs> in the name of God, who are you? said Charles. I mean, Varney, Varney has entered much the same way Charles himself did. Right? Charles didn't go into the garden. Charles went into the fucking house. Yeah, he was like, I belong here. And just started wandering around. <laughs> oh, but perhaps the reason Varney went into the garden and not into the house is because uh -huh. he has not yet been invited into the house. Oh, that's so funny. He's got to just wander around the courtyard. My name is Varney. Oh, yes, you are the Sir Francis Varney residing close by who bears so fearful a resemblance to... Pray go on, sir. I am all attention. What a fucking weird thing to say to a stranger. To a portrait here. Indeed. Now I reflect a moment, Mr. Henry Bannerworth did incidentally mention something of the sort. It's a most singular coincidence. <laughs> the sound of approaching footsteps was now plainly heard, and in a few moments Henry and George, along with Mr. Marchdale, reached the spot. Their appearance showed that they had made haste, and Henry at once exclaimed, We heard, or fancied we heard, a cry of alarm. You did hear it, said Charles Holland. Do you know this gentleman? It is Sir Francis Varney. Indeed. Varney bowed to the newcomers and was altogether as much at his ease as everybody else seemed quite the contrary. <laughs> Even Charles Holland found the difficulty of going up to such a well-bred gentlemanly man and saying, Sir, we believe you to be a vampire, to be almost, if not insurmountable. Well, at least someone thinks that it's a fucking insane thing to do to a person. I cannot do it, he thought, but I will watch him. Take me away, whispered Flora. "'Tis he, tis he. Oh, take me away, Charles!' "'Hush, Flora, hush. You're in some error. The accidental resemblance should not make us be rude to this gentleman.' <laughs> "'Oh my god, well, it's a little late for that now.' "'The vampire! It is the vampire!' "'Are you sure, Flora?' "'Do I know your features, my own, my brother's? Do not ask me to doubt. I cannot. I am quite sure. Take me from this hideous presence, Charles!' "'Flora, everyone can hear you!' God. The young lady, I fear, is very much indisposed, remarked Sir Francis Varney in a sympathetic tone of voice. If she will accept of my arm, I shall esteem it a great honor. No, 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 God, no, cried Flora. Wa Varney, wait a, read a room, bud. <laughs> <laughs> read the room. Madam, I will not press you. He bowed, and Charles led Flora from the summer house towards the hall. Flora, he said, I am bewildered. I know not what to think. That man most certainly has been fashioned after the portrait which is on the panel in the room you formerly occupied, or it has been painted from him. He is my midnight visitor, exclaimed Flora. 
He is the vampire. This Sir Francis Varney is the vampire. Good God, what can be done? I know not. I am nearly distracted. Well, that didn't take much to convince him. It's the vampire! It's the vampire! It's the vampire! It's not the vampire, Flora. What makes you think it's the vampire? It's the vampire! Oh my god, it's the vampire! Because it is, Charles! Whoa! Oh my, you're right. That is the vampire. Holy shit! (laughs) Holy shit! (laughs) They are perfect for each other. They are a pair. Be calm, Flora. If this man be really what you name him, we now know from what quarter the mischief comes, which is, at all events, a point gained. Be assured we shall place a watch upon him. Oh, it is terrible to meet him here. And he is so wonderfully anxious, too, to possess the hall. He is. He is. It looks strange, the whole affair, but Flora, be assured of one thing, and that is of your own safety. Can I be assured of that? Most certainly. Go to your mother now. Here we are, you see, fairly within doors. Go to your mother, dear Flora, and keep yourself quiet. I will return to this mysterious man now with a cooler judgment than I left him. You will watch him, Charles? I will indeed. And you will not let him approach the house here alone? I will not. Oh, that the Almighty should allow such beings to haunt the earth! Hush, Flora, hush. We cannot judge of his always purpose. Tis hard that the innocent should be inflicted with its presence. Charles bowed his head in mournful assent. I don't know who's saying this long, so I don't know what spin to put on it. Is it not very, very dreadful? Someone is also is just saying that. Hush, hush. Calm yourself, dearest. Calm yourself. Recollect all that we have to go upon in this matter is a resemblance which, after all, may be accidental. But leave it all to me and be assured that now I have some clue to this affair, I will not lose sight of it or of Sir Francis Varney. I'm so glad you said that all in one sentence. Maybe Charles? Possibly? So saying, Charles surrendered Flora to the care of her mother, and was then hastening back to the summer house, where he met the whole party coming towards the hall, for the rain was each moment increasing in intensity. We are returning, remarked Sir Francis Varney, with a half bow and a smile to Charles. Thanks, Varney, I would have never figured that out. Allow me, said Henry, to introduce you, Mr. Holland, to our neighbor, Sir Francis Varney. Why's Henry being so polite all of a sudden? Charles felt himself compelled to behave with courtesy, although his mind was so full of conflicting feelings as regarded Varney, but there was no avoiding without such brutal rudeness as was inconsistent with all his pursuits and habits, replying in something like the same strain to the extreme courtly politeness of the supposed vampire. Like, last time Henry saw Varney, he was just screeching at, like, you fucking monster, you fucking animal, and now he's just like, oh, well, by the way, this is my neighbor, so Varney, like, you calm down right quick, my man. I will watch him closely, thought Charles. I can do no more than watch him closely. Sir Francis Varney seemed to be a man of the most general and discursive information. He talked fluently and pleasantly upon all sorts of topics, and notwithstanding he could not have but heard what Flora had said of him, he asked no questions whatever upon that subject. (laughs) The only not rude person in the room. This silence, as regarded a matter which would at once have induced some sort of inquiry from any other man, Charles felt told much against him, and he trembled to believe for a moment that... After all, it might really be true. That fucking well, oh, sentence. That, was, that sentence was a, was a minefield. Oh my god. Is he a vampire, he asked himself. Are there vampires, and is this man of fashion, this courtly, talented, educated gentleman one? It was a perfectly hideous question. <laughs> you are charmingly situated here, remarked Varney, as, after ascending the few steps that led the, to the hall door, he turned and looked at the view from that slight altitude. Sure am. Thanks, bud. The place has been much esteemed, said Henry, for its picturesque beauties of scenery. I I gotta say, I love the illustration that comes with the Gutenberg file for this chapter, 
Please describe for our audience. Well, it, Charles and Flora seem to be sitting on a bench at what seems to be like, they're not sitting so much as they are tilted at like a perfect 45 degree angle against a wall. Flora is dead asleep. Charles Holland is in profile looking on with horror. And Varney is a slack mustachioed gentleman holding his arms at his sides and just kind of looking like definitely like a guy who wandered into the kitchen to get some more Frito scoops at a party and saw a couple doing lines on the counter kind of vibe. It's also, I have to say, the costuming looks like they are all at the court of King Charles II. It looks like everyone else had taken cues from Varney's corpse costume. <laughs> they were like, that does look fashionable. I would like to look like the dead guy. Nobody looks like they are dressed for the 1840s. Which is weird because, like, context would suggest this takes place in the 1840s. Like, at most, I would place it as early as the 1830s, but, like, even that, like... Yeah. Because Chillingworth is such a man of science. I wish he would come back. I cannot wait for Chillingworth's return. And well it may be. I trust, Mr. Holland, the young lady is much better. She is, sir, said Charles. I was not honored by an introduction. It was my fault, said Henry, who spoke to his extraordinary guest with an air of forced hilarity. It was my fault for not introducing you to my sister. And that was your sister. It was, sir. Report has not belied her. She is beautiful. But she looks rather pale, I thought. Has she bad health? The best of health. Indeed. Perhaps the little disagreeable circumstance which has made so much food for gossip in the neighborhood has affected her spirits? It has. You allude to the supposed visit here of a vampire, said Charles, as he fixed oh. his eyes upon Varney's face. Charles cuts to the quick of the matter. Yes, I allude to the supposed appearance of a supposed vampire in this family, said Sir Francis Varney. <laughs> this supposed family. <laughs> At the supposed house. As he returned the earnest gaze of Charles with such unshrinking assurance that the young man was compelled after about a minute nearly to withdraw his own eyes. A minute to stare at someone silently is a very long time. Just a full 60 seconds silent staring contest where all four of these men just kind of hang out, wait for it to happen. Just normal. <laughs> what a normal thing to do, Charles. He will not be cowed, thought Charles. Use has made him familiar to such cross-questioning. It appeared now suddenly to occur to Henry that he had said something at Varney's own house which should have prevented him from coming to the hall, and he now remarked, We scarcely expected the pleasure of your company here, Sir Francis Varney. Okay, real quick. It appeared now suddenly to occur to Henry that he had said something at Varney's own house which should have prevented him from coming to the hall. He said a couple of things which should have prevented that. <laughs> I feel like what happened is it occurred suddenly to the author that he had written Henry saying something at Varney's own house, which should have prevented Varney from coming to the hall. It does feel like that. Yes, a little bit. Oh, my dear sir, I am aware of that, but you roused my curiosity. You mentioned to me that there was a portrait here amazingly like me. Did I? Indeed you did, or how could I know it? I wanted to see if the resemblance was so perfect. Did you hear, sir, added Henry, that my sister was alarmed at your likeness to that portrait? No, really. <laughs> yeah. I pray you walk in, and we will talk more at large upon that matter. No, I bet he didn't hear Flora scream any of those horrible things. You're right. Good job, Henry. <laughs> with great pleasure. One leads a monotonous life in the country when compared with the brilliancy of a court existence. Just now I have no particular engagement. 
As we are near neighbors, I see no reason why we should not be good friends, and often interchange such civilities as make up the amenities of existence, and which, in the country more particularly, are valuable. Wow. A good sentence. You have received a friend request from Sir Francis Varney. All right. <laughs> Click. Henry could not be hypocrite enough to assent to this, but still, under the present aspect of affairs, it was impossible to return any but a civil reply, so he said, Oh yes, of course, certainly. My time is very much occupied, and my sister and mother see no company. Oh, now, how wrong. Wrong, sir? Yes, surely. If anything more than another tends to harmonize individuals, it is a society of that fairer half of the creation which we love for their very foibles. I am much attached to the softer sex, to young persons full of health. I like to see the rosy cheeks. Sorry, the rosy checks. <laughs> where the warm blood mantles in the superficial veins, and all is loveliness in life. Wow, I... Alright, well, now Varney is just having some fun here by saying, like, my favorite thing about women is the blood that's inside them. I wonder which of my veins are superficial. Uh, I think there's, like, a couple in your fingers that you could do without. Charles shrank back, and the word demon unconsciously escaped his lips. <laughs> What a, what a pleasant lunch you guys are having. Sir Francis took no manner of notice of the expression, but went on talking as if he had been on the very happiest of terms with everyone present. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Will you follow me at once to the chamber where the portrait hangs, said Henry, or will you partake of some refreshment first? No refreshment for me, said Varney, my dear friend, if you will permit me to call you such, this is the time of the day at which I never do take any refreshment. Nor at any other, thought Henry. Oh, zing. I don't drink wine. <laughs> they all went to the chamber where Charles had passed one very disagreeable night, and when they arrived, Henry pointed to the portrait on the panel, saying, There, Sir Francis Varney, is your likeness. He looked, and having walked up to it in an undertone, rather as if he were conversing with himself than make a remark for anyone else to hear, he said, It is wonderfully like. It is indeed, said Charles. If I stand beside it, thus, said Varney, placing himself in a favorable attitude for comparing the two faces, I dare say you will be more struck with the likeness than before. So accurate was it now that the same light fell upon his face as that under which the painter had executed the portrait, that all started back a step or two. Oh my god! Some artist, remarked Varney, had the sense to ask where a portrait is to be hung before they paint it, and then they adapt their lights and shadows to those which would fall upon the original where it's similarly situated. I cannot stand this, said Charles to Henry. I must question him farther. This motherfucker's showboating. <laughs> As you please, but do not insult him. I will not. He is beneath my roof now, and after all it is but a hideous suspicion we have of him. Rely upon me. Charles stepped forward, and once again confronting Varney with an earnest gaze, he said... Do you know, sir, that Miss Bannerworth declares the vampire she fancies to have visited this chamber to be, in features, the exact counterpart of this portrait? Whoa, way to do it, Charles. That's not insulting at all. Does she indeed? She does indeed. And perhaps, then, that accounts for her thinking that I am the vampire because I bear a strong resemblance to the portrait. I should not be surprised, said Charles. How very odd. Very. And yet entertaining. I'm rather amused than otherwise. The idea of being a vampire. Ha ha. If I ever go to a masquerade <laughs> again, I shall certainly assume the character of a vampire. <laughs> Varney's having the most fun here. You would do it well. I dare say now I should make quite a sensation. I am certain you would. Do you not think, gentlemen, that Sir Francis Varney would enact the character to the very life? By heavens, he would do it so well that one might, without much difficulty, really imagine him a vampire. 
<laughs> wow, this is your way to go, Charles. This is so uninsulting. Uh, Henry's gonna be so impressed with you. Charles has that subtle, delicate touch. Bravo, bravo, said Varney as he gently folded his hands together with that genteel applause that may even be indulged in, in a box at the opera itself. Bravo. I like to see young persons enthusiastic. It looks as if they had some of the real fire of genius in their composition. Bravo, <laughs> bravo. Okay, alright, yeah. The, the vampire stops and claps and says, Man, when you get all worked up, you almost don't look like a dipshit. Way to go. Varney fucking rules. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hollandaise. But, like, I'm team Varney all the fucking way. This guy fucking owns. Yeah, I'm so, I'm sorry. I got to abandon. I got I got to drop that Hollandaise sauce. <laughs> this was Charles thought the very height and acme of impudence. And yet, what could he do? What could he say? He was foiled by the downright coolness of Varney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. As for Henry, George, and Mister Marchdale, they had listened to what was passing between Sir Francis and Charles in silence. They feared to diminish the effect of anything Charles might say by adding a word of their own, and likewise, they did not wish to lose one observation that might come from the lips of Varney. But now Charles appeared to have said all he had to say. He turned to the window and looked out. He seemed like a man who had made up his mind for a time to give up some contest in which it had been engaged. And perhaps not so much did he give it up from any feeling or consciousness of being beaten, as from a conviction that it could be the more effectually, at some other and far more eligible opportunity, renewed. I didn't lose, I'm just- this is a tactical retreat. Yeah, okay. Varney now addressed Henry, saying, I presume the subject of our conference, when you did me the honor of a call, is no secret to anyone here? None whatever, said Henry. Then, perhaps, I am too early in asking you if you have made up your mind. I have scarcely, certainly, had time to think. My dear sir, do not let me hurry you. I much regret, indeed, the intrusion. You seem anxious to possess the hall, remarked Mr. Marchdale to Varney. I am. Is it new to you? Not quite. I have some boyish recollections connected with this neighborhood, among which Bannerworth Hall stands sufficiently prominent. May I ask how long ago that was, said Charles Howard, rather abruptly. Charles Howard? A new character has emerged. <laughs> A new guy! Charles Holland was so humiliated by his defeat at the hands of the vampire that he split into two. I do not recollect my enthusiastic young friend, said Varney. How old are you? Just about 21. How long have you been just about 21? You are then, for your age, quite a model of discretion. It would have been difficult for the most accurate observer of human nature to have decided whether this was said truthfully or ironically, so Charles made no reply to it whatever. I trust, said Henry, we shall induce you, as this is your first visit, Sir Francis Varney, to the hall, to partake of something. Anything. It doesn't matter what. Well, well, a cup of wine is at your service. Henry now led the way to a small parlor, which, although by no means one of the showiest rooms of the house, was, from the care and exquisite carving with which it abounded, much more to the taste of any who possessed an accurate judgment in such works of art. Then wine was ordered, and Charles took an opportunity of whispering to Henry, Notice well if he drinks. I will. Ordered from what staff? <laughs> they all left. Do you see beneath his coat there's a raised place, as if his arm was bound up? I do. There, then, was where the bullet from the pistol fired by Flora, when we were at the church, hit him. Hush, for God's sake, hush. You're getting into a dreadful state of excitement, Charles. Hush, hush. And can you blame? No, no, but what can we do? You are right. Nothing we can do at present. We have a clue now, and be it our mutual inclination, as well as duty to follow it. 
Oh, you shall see how calm I will be. Oh my god. For heaven's sake be so. I have noted that his eyes flash upon yours with no friendly feeling. His friendship were a curse. Hush, he drinks. Watch him, I will. Gentlemen all, said Sir Francis Varney in such soft, dulcet tones, it was quite a fascination to hear him speak. Gentlemen all, being as I am much delighted with your company, do not accuse me of presumption, if I drink now, poor drinker as I am, to our future merry meetings. He raised the wine to his lips and seemed to drink, after which he replaced the glass upon the table. Charles glanced at it. It was still full. Oh! You have not drank, Sir Francis Varney, he said. Pardon me, enthusiastic young sir, said Varney. Perhaps you will have the liberality to allow me to take my wine how I please and when I please. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, get fucked, Charles! Your glass is full. Well, sir, will you drink it? Not at any man's bidding, most certainly. If the fair Flora Bannerworth were to grace the board with her sweet presence, methinks I could then drink on, on, on. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, Varney! Hark you, sir, cried Charles, I can bear no more of this. We have had in this house most horrible and damning evidence that there are such things as vampires. Have you really? I suppose you eat raw pork at supper and so had the nightmare. <laughs> it's very funny, actually. A jest is welcomed in its place, but pray hear me out, sir, if it suits your lofty courtesy to do so. Oh, certainly. Then say we believe, as far as human judgment has a right to go, that a vampire has been here. Go on, it's interesting. I always was a lover of the wild and the wonderful. We have, too, continued Charles, some reason to believe that you are the man. Varney tapped his forehead as he glanced at Henry and said, Oh dear, I did not know. You should have told me that he was a little wrong about the brain. I might have quarreled with the lad. Dear me, how lamentable for his poor mother. <laughs> I love Varney. Oh, Henry, you didn't tell me your friend was stupid. Varney fucking rules. <laughs> you didn't tell me your friend was an idiot. Oh, that's sad. This will not do, Sir Francis Varney, alias Bannerworth. Oh, oh, be calm, be calm. I defy you to your teeth, sir. No, God, no, your teeth. Okay. Poor lad, poor lad. You are a cowardly <laughs> demon, and I here swear to devote myself to your destruction. There is no way to come back from this, Charles. I'm sorry. Sir Francis Varney drew himself up to his full height, and that was immense, as he said to Henry... I pray you, Mr. Bannerworth, since I am thus grievously insulted beneath your roof, to tell me if your friend here be mad or sane. He's not mad. What? Henry. Then, hold, sir! The quarrel shall be mine. In the name of my persecuted sister, in the name of heaven, Sir Francis Varney, I defy you. Wow, Charles, Henry, I mean, Henry snapped real quick, huh? Sir Francis, in spite of his impenetrable calmness, appeared somewhat moved as he said, I have already endured insult sufficient. I will endure no more. If there are weapons at hand... Oh god, no, Varney's gonna get shot again. My young friend, interrupted Mr. Marchdale, stepping between the excited men, is carried away by his feelings and knows not what he says. You will look upon it in that light, Sir Francis. We need no interference, exclaimed Varney, his hitherto bland voice changing to one of fury. The hot-blooded fool wishes to fight, and he shall, to the death, to the death. Funny. And I say he shall not, exclaimed Mr. Marchdale, taking Henry by the arm. George, he added, turning to the young man, assist me in persuading your brother to leave the room. Conceive the agony of your sister and mother if anything should happen to him. Varney smiled with a devilish sneer as he listened to these words, and then he said, As you will, as you will. 
There will be plenty of time and perhaps better opportunity, gentlemen. I bid you good day. And with provoking coolness, he then moved toward the door and quitted the room. Remain here, said Marchdale. I will follow him and see that he quits the premises. He did so, and the young men from the window beheld Sir Francis walking slowly across the garden, and then saw Mr. Marchdale follow on his track. While they were thus occupied, a tremendous ringing came at the gate, but their attention was so riveted to what was passing in the garden that they paid not the least attention to it. Well, fuck that. That's the Admiral. I know it. It had fucking better be. We were promised him the chapter title. Thus ends chapter 17. Wow. Verney turned to Henry and he was like, your friend get dropped on the head as a kid or like what's going on here? And then like Henry was just like, I am going to fucking kill you. (laughs) 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 Like Henry spent like 10 minutes being like, all right, I don't know how to proceed with this. So everyone just be chill. And Verney is just like, Get a load of this guy, and then Henry just jumps up and is like, I'm gonna fucking shoot you to death, my man. <laughs> I don't understand why anyone behaved the way they behaved except Varney, who is very funny. Varney is, I feel, the hero of the book. He really is right now, yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to every Hollandaise out there, but like, how do I not root for this guy? <laughs> That's the thing. I'm sorry. Hey, everyone. Uh, I'm I'm disbanding the Holland days. I'm not saying that you have to leave, uh, but I am leaving. <laughs> you know, feel free to feel free to to reconstruct in my absence, but I, I can't stay here. I know how I want to take me home. I am currently a, a varnisher, as we call ourselves. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> that's very good. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, varnishers. Although I wouldn't say no to a little uh a little Holland varnisher uh some fan some crossover fanfic, you know what I mean. Uh yeah. I mean You think there's some spice there? I think there could be some spice there. I think there's there could be some enemies to lovers going on here. <laughs> Classic trope. How old are you, boy? Twenty one. How long would you like to be twenty one? <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all for joining us for chapter 17 of Varney the Vampire of the Feast of Blood, and be sure to tune in next week for chapter 18, The Admiral's Advice, The Challenge to the Vampire, The New Servant at the Hall. <laughs> yeah, all right, Good prediction. New Servant is going to be Varney in a disguise. I think it's going to be one of his ghouls, like he's got a Renly waiting in the wings. Oh, that's even better, you're right. We'll see. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast through Patreon, and we look forward to reading the next chapter with you next week. Au revoir! Goodbye!